Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. I hope your Tuesday is off to a good start here, and thank you so much for joining us on The Inner Life today, our program about spiritual direction on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and when was the last time you ran a three-legged race? (laughs) And how did that go for you? you and your partner. Did you run smoothly as a team or did you have problems uh, pretty quickly and trip each other up down the the straight of the three-legged race course there? I don't think I've run one of those three-legged races since I was maybe in high school, possibly college. I don't recall, but definitely not since I've been married that I can think of. Now, I remember those were kind of a staple growing up in different summertime events, the different fairs or festivals or picnics, you know, those sorts of gatherings that you'd have. And the first three-legged race I ever ran was when I was six years old. My dad was my partner, and he got us into this three-legged race. I didn't know what it was, and before I know it, they're tying our legs together. This was at a 4th of July community celebration, and we had traveled back to the town where my mom grew up, and we were there for a couple of days. And we were just enjoying all the festivities. And so my dad, he gets us into this three-legged race, and we placed first. But that's only because after running the first few steps, he knew that we weren't doing well running together. Because it was my first time. I had no idea what I was doing. So he just picked me up in his arm. Uh, held me against him as kind of dead weight, and he just ran, ran, <laughs> ran down the course uh, with me attached to him there, hold, him holding me, and my feet didn't even touch the ground after those first few steps. Feet didn't touch the ground again until after we crossed the finish line. And I don't know if that really counts as a true three-legged race, but that was my first try at one. And after that, I can remember, you know, those races, they'd happen every year, a couple of years, something like that. Oh, sure, I'll do one. And I'm also a fairly competitive person. Not I, I, I've mellowed out in that as I've gotten older, but especially younger, uh, very competitive. And so I quickly figured out two basic things that would always help me and whoever my running partner was help us to win or at least come close to winning. Now, the first thing is, if you're going to do a three-legged race, you want to try and have your partner be about the same height as you. This is because hopefully that means your legs are similar lengths, and that hopefully also means you're going to have similar strides when you're running. Not one of you is going to be out uh, striding the other one lengthwise. But even if you and your partner in the race aren't the same height, the second part, and this is the real key, it's to match that stride and the rhythm in running, and whoever is the fastest they have that on on their side. That's their obligation. Now, I was a track sprinter. I even went to college on a track scholarship. So I was the one. It was easy for me. 
to match the speed and the stride of whomever was running with me in that three-legged race, and that's how we would win, almost always, regardless of who was my teammate. And since I was that sprinter, I almost certainly could have run faster than my teammate, any of my teammates, whoever they were. But in a three-legged race, when you're not running together in that synchronized kind of jog or gallop, you can't really get anywhere. And I think every three-legged race I've ever run in, there are always one or two teams that can't quite figure out how to run together. And they fall down within maybe two, three, four steps. That fastest runner in those teams, it's obvious that person wants to go as fast as they can, and they have that slower person that can't keep up. But it really is the faster person that has to slow down and match the running of the slower person. If you're the faster teammate, it's up to you. you got to slow down a little. Otherwise, you might be one of those teams that falls down before you can really make any progress. In marriage, you might find yourself in a similar situation to running that three-legged race. And this can happen in all kinds of different areas. You know, we all have different strengths and talents. And so it's almost certain that you will excel in certain areas and your spouse is going to excel in other areas. This is also possible, of course, in the realm of spirituality. You might be far more advanced in your faith while your spouse is at a much different place. Or maybe it's the other way around, where your spouse is the one who is far ahead of you in their knowledge of the faith, in their prayer life, while you, you're the one who's struggling to keep up. Perhaps you're Catholic and your spouse isn't. So how do you keep on growing in your faith while not leaving your spouse completely behind? What do you do when you both aren't on the same page when it comes to matters of faith? And that's what we want to discuss here on The Inner Life today. And joining us is our spiritual director. I'm so glad to welcome back once again, Father Joseph Johnson. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis. He's the pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Father, welcome back to the program. Glad to have you here. We won't make you uh, tie your leg up and do any three-legged races today, but just glad to have you as our spiritual director. Well, I'm thinking to myself, Josh, I've done that more recently than you have, because I have a grade school. And we have a track oh, there you, uh, Yeah, so you're running with uh, uh, kids with shorter little legs. How does that yes. go for you then? Yes, well, I think the, at the fall festival or track and field, I forget where it was, uh, I had that similar thing, but I, I wasn't smart enough to, to pick up the, 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 the student next to me, and we both face-planted. <laughs> Luckily, it was nice soft grass. Uh, but you're, you're yeah. right, there needs to be that matching of stride. You know, and what's true of the body uh, in this case is is true of the soul uh, as well. Well, you know, I, I was going to say, you know, as as I get couples coming in uh, to prepare, they're engaged, you know, or sometimes even just working with young adults uh, and they're they're dating, you know, um, there there's actually actually at that I'll I'll do a book promo. There's a book called Intentional Dating that I would highly recommend. It's by a, a psychology professor here in the Twin Cities, Dr. John Burry, B-U-R-I, Burry, Intentional Dating. But it, it tries to bring to the forefront some of these things that you should be looking for at that. Now, over uh, my time of, of being a priest for you know uh, almost a quarter century now, the, the, the people I see coming into my office as engaged couples have changed. When I first started, it was still very much the expectation that, that young adults get married in church, that 
that that mom and dad expected that grandma and grandpa expected that the the bride herself had an image of walking down a church aisle and and you know all of the rest of it now so many years have passed that is, that is not the the cultural expectation around us and brides don't even have those dreams I want to stand on a beach in Hawaii, or I want to be in a rainforest, or you know, I want to be on a golf course, or or something like that. That their whole image of of the wedding has changed. So a lot of young people aren't coming to the church at all anymore. Whereas before, we were trying to to use it as a moment of evangelization uh, for those that may just be coming for culture reasons. Now what I find is that the, the young people who are actually showing up at church is usually not because somebody else expects it or because of something superficial, but because at least one of them has something deeper that's pulling them uh, towards the altar. You know, And so that's, that's what I see as an encouraging thing. It's still a moment of evangelization because we're all works in progress. And even young people come from very good Catholic families and have had great formation in Catholic schools or what have you, they still are growing. We we all have this maturing process in our discipleship, and so it's a great moment uh, to do that. And and sometimes, no, excuse me, all the time, there is a disparity between where the young man and the young woman are, right? None of us are exactly the same spot. Right. Even if both are cradle Catholics, you know, maybe one that came from a a family that prayed the rosary every day and the other came from a family that never prayed the rosary but they did charismatic prayer and you try to teach this couple how to pray together and it takes some doing uh it takes some adjusting takes some dying to self and 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 being open to the way other people do things uh it takes some being open to the mystery of 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 God isn't just approached in one narrow way that I'm familiar with you know and and even if we get them all on board the same way uh, that they find common ground in their prayer life and all of that, there are times over the course of the years and decades of marriage that they diverge. You know, uh, it, that something happens and one of them... Yeah, something new loses. comes up and all of a sudden, yeah, you're faced with a moment of, oh, we both have different ideas on how we should proceed. Yeah, that, that's, that's marriage all over the place, Father. Right, yeah. right. And, and sometimes what it is is one of them, for some reason, loses faith or just kind of stalls. It just kind of, whether it's a dark night of the soul, whether it's just a, we were more on cruise control than we thought, uh, you know, that, that one of them just kind of starts to drift and to, to lag and to go into Sunday Mass isn't as important, and you, you go, I don't feel like going today, whatever. Or the opposite, they're, they're, they're both kind of, you know, going okay, and then one of them goes to a weekend retreat, or one of them has an amazing uh, experience in prayer, or uh, has a friend who inspires them, or they read a life of a saint that inspires them, or they have a great suffering that comes to them, and the way that that cross comes, you know, really lights them on fire, and they all of a sudden zip way ahead. Whether it's one falling behind or one zipping ahead, there's a tension that's created there. Right. Well, so, first of all, I think there's going to be a lot of 
listeners that have gone through different variations of this in their own relationship with their spouse. And so I want to open up the phone number. Um, if you're listening and your marriage did start or maybe came to a point later where you were at different places in your faith journey, what helped you to come together and make it through this as a couple? How did you find that unity in your marriage? Or maybe this is something that you're struggling with in your marriage right now. It's something that is, you, you have that tension, just like Father Joseph Johnson was talking about. And maybe you need a little advice or you have some questions on how to proceed. And that's why Father is here. And our studio uh, line that you can call in and be part of the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And our email address, innerlife@relevantradio.com. And Father, uh, maybe before we go too deep into people who are married in that relationship, maybe we can start and go back to, you talked about couples who come for marriage prep. And even before that, if somebody right now is listening and they're currently single, but they believe that God is calling them to the vocation of marriage and family life, you know, St. Paul, he talks about being unequally yoked. That's, that's the phrase he uses there. The, I think it's very, very common, this happened in my life, you fall in love and you don't really consider religious background. Or like you said, you know, one, one person that comes out of the couple for marriage prep is engaged in their faith and the other person is not. So if somebody hasn't met that right person, hasn't fallen in love, how, how important is it in your eyes at watching different couples that have gone through some of these uh, trials, some of these disagreements, trying to come to common ground. How important do you think it is? What would what advice would you give to someone who wants to get married and is saying, I don't know, is it really that important? It really narrows the dating pool if all I'm going to look for is another Catholic. You know what I mean? Yes. So I would I would say this. Uh, is it important? Yes. Let me tell you how important. When Spouses find themselves on a different page spiritually, not just further down the page or further behind on the same page, but but really different pages. That is, I believe, one of the most painful experiences you will ever experience in your marriage. All right, other than perhaps the loss of a child. Right, that this point of where I sense that I I I'm so different than my spouse spiritually right now, that this bond, this covenant of love, this sacrament that that unites us, and I'm disunited on the most important thing, which is is that interior relationship with God. We can't share that. Uh, I have been with couples weeping over over this. Uh, you know, it, it is very painful. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be exactly the same and you should only look for a, a spouse amongst, you know, Catholics that go to daily Mass or whatever it is. You know, but I think what we've got to, to be clear on is, it's as you told, said, there's this attraction, you fall in love, whatever, that, that you're drawn towards the other person but for that relationship to mature, Josh, at a certain point you have to realize that other person isn't 
my goal. That, that love is not so much about coming towards the other person, but going with the other person in the same direction. So especially uh, for those who have faith, and we talk about this as a vocation of marriage, you know that the old Catholic idea when we spoke about vocation was just a priest or a nun. Nope, nope, nope. We all have a vocation. We're all called to be saints, and we're called to be saints by a particular uh, way. And vocation of marriage is every bit as much a vocation as the religious life or priesthood. And so that's talking about Christ is calling you. That's what the word vocation means, vocare, vocal. It's a calling. Christ is not calling you to this other person. Jesus Christ only calls to one place, to himself. He's calling you with that other person to himself. He's not calling you to that other person. And that's a huge distinction. Uh, And so if we start with that, then you realize from the get-go Are we looking in the same direction? We're going to share a life, share an adventure, share a journey, share a goal. We at least have to have a commonality in what that looks like. It doesn't have to match up on every single aspect, but we have to have the general trajectory that we share. And so now that means you could marry a a non-Catholic Christian. You could marry a non-Christian. But you have to have a certain amount of commonality on what that trajectory looks like. And you have to have a certain respect for one another. And when there are times when you can't count on your spouse to support you, you have to have that interior strength and a depth of prayer life that says, yeah, even if my spouse isn't pulling the same direction right now, even if they're pulling in the opposite direction, I'm remaining faithful to Christ. And that takes a lot. It can right. be done. Our spiritual spiritual director, Father Joseph Johnson, today talking about how we can bridge that kind of gulf, that tension that Father talked about, if our spouse isn't on the same page with us spiritually. And how about you and your marriage? Did you and your spouse have that point where you had to come together? And how did you make it through that? How did you find that unity in your marriage where spiritually you weren't on the same page to begin with, or maybe you're in that situation right now and you'd like a little bit of advice on where to go next, on something you might be able to do uh, to help start that process of coming together. And our studio line is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, relevantradio.com, And we'll be right back uh, with Father Joseph Johnson and your phone calls right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. 
So glad to have you listening to the show today. And uh, along with me, I'm Josh Raymond and our spiritual director here, Father Joseph Johnson, a priest in the Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis, talking about what we can do when we find ourselves in a marriage and we're not on the same page spiritually. That might be that we're both Catholic, but somebody's just not engaged like we are, or maybe we're Catholic and they aren't. Uh, maybe there's some other reason that you're not on the same page spiritually. And maybe you've made it through that. And we'd love to hear your story of how you've been able to make that progress and find common ground, find that unity in your marriage. Maybe it is something you're struggling with and you'd like some help in uh, how, to, how to move forward in your relationship so that you can find that common ground. And again, our studio line to talk with Father Joseph, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, we talked a little before the break. You know, I mentioned, yeah, my wife and I fell in love. We didn't get married in a Catholic church, but she was brought up Catholic. I was raised Baptist. And we really didn't deal a lot initially with matters of religion or faith until after our first child was born. And that's where we found ourselves with different ideas of what baptism is, how we should raise our children, what you know that, that looks like. And so we, we realized at that point we, we have to figure out where we could meet on things as a couple. And we, we definitely had plenty of those moments where we disagreed on how to proceed in parenting when it came to our daughter, when it came to religion. And as you said, you know, uh, really, really difficult moment you said outside of losing a child might be one of the most painful things a couple can go through. And I can remember times where, yeah, my wife would just be frustrated to the point of tears as we're trying to talk through some of these different things. But at that point, you're married, you have to figure it out, you have to make it work somehow. And so if somebody finds themselves in this situation where they married out of love, but their spouse isn't Catholic, doesn't show any signs of ever converting. And my wife was resigned to the possibility that I might never become Catholic. I had my own spiritual journey. I did become Catholic, but she she was resigned saying, we might just, this might be our lifelong relationship. And uh, what advice would you have for that person finding themselves in that situation right now? Well, I, I would say that, you know, praying for your spouse is is really such an important thing and it helps you to discover what the meaning of the vocation of marriage is you know it's not that uh, this other person walks in the room and i get you know butterflies in my tummy you know it's it's that i am called to to help this other person again that just sees that are help made for for you uh you know that that i'm called to help this other person help each other to walk our journey to heaven, uh, and if you find that that, that you know either that you've come around to a deeper understanding of this uh, vocation of marriage in that way, and your spouse hasn't, or or you've always had it, and you thought your spouse had it, or at least was you know somewhat more amenable, but now all of a sudden things are turning out to be, you know, praying for your spouse is so important. Being frustrated with your spouse, well, you know, that's only going to accomplish so much, uh, you know. You, you need to find the way to turn that frustration into something positive, and that's prayer. And even I can go a step forward if, more than, than just praying, prayer and fasting. You know, whether it's, whatever the problem is, 
you know, I tell this to parents all the time when they when they tell me that one of their kids is whatever. Jesus tells us certain demons are only cast out by prayer and fasting. You know, so 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 to be able to double down on your prayer for your spouse by adding a sacrifice uh, to to that uh, fasting, not say fasting of food, could be fasting from something else either, but uh, to to be able to say. This is part of me living out the vocation of marriage, is finding ways to spiritually support my spouse, even if it's not a theological debate. You know, because a theological debate where we just kind of bash each other over the head with our own kind of faith traditions or where we're at, that's that's not going to be particularly productive either for the individual's spiritual journey or for marital harmony and unity. So... It's really a very delicate thing, as, as you know from your own experience, Josh. And uh, I would say that it, it, it's, well, I think the statistics are still such that they'd say that the, one of the top reasons Catholics stop practicing their faith is they marry a non-Catholic. Yeah. You know, that's one of the absolute top predictors of whether a Catholic will continue practicing their faith or not. Now, it also works the opposite way. There are plenty of strong Catholics that, that get married to non-Catholics and continue to practice their faith, and maybe even through the grace of God, you know, their, their spouse becomes Catholic. You know, that absolutely happens too. Uh, but you can't look at your spouse and go, I know that my spouse isn't there now, but this is my home improvement project, right? right. <laughs> you know, we have to be respectful. God respects our freedom, even to the point of allowing us to sin, to misuse that freedom, Spouses have to respect each other's freedom. Uh, and, and God is at work in this. You have to remember, it's God that has to call that person, has to touch their heart for faith to really be authentic. They can go through motions to appease a spouse, but for faith to be real, it has to be a spark of the divine. And sometimes it's through kids. I remember one couple, the dad never went to church and one of the kids was complaining about not wanting to go to church, and they were getting bundled up, you know, to go out the door. And Dad's see- seated at the the kitchen table with the Sunday paper, and the you know thirteen year old or whatever says, "I can't wait till I grow up to be like Dad, and and I won't need God." And the father sitting there reading the paper, his heart was pierced by those words, and he ran. And, and threw on uh, clothes, I think it was his pajamas still, and he went to church every Sunday after that, mm. you know, because he realized what an awful example he was sending for his children, but he also realized that the interior message that he was sending, that even his little kid could pick up was, I don't need God in my right. life. So sometimes it's something like that that the Lord will use, uh, you know, uh, other times it's you see your Catholic spouse blossoming and becoming a beautiful person because of their faith, and you go, wow, maybe maybe I would blossom more if, if I sought that out. Uh, you know, so, so God's grace is very much at work there. We shouldn't say that a Catholic has to only marry a Catholic. Uh, that that there are there there are definitely ways that the Holy Spirit works uh, through other situations as well. Our spiritual director, Father Joseph Johnson. Our studio line eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Maybe uh, you're married to a non-Catholic. Maybe you and your spouse are Catholic, but you're just at different points in your spiritual journey, and you'd like some advice. Uh, maybe you've made it through. 
that kind of tension, that division that you found in your marriage early on? What helped you? What helped you to be able to make it through that, find that common ground, find that unity as a couple? And again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Mary who's listening to us in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hi, Mary. Thanks for calling into The Inner Life. Good morning. Yeah, you're really talking about my marriage this morning. My husband and I, well, he, he is not Catholic. He was raised in a Pentecostal sort of religion. Um, and um, we are a cart before the horse people. I was married before and um, divorced. And then my husband and I had a child together out, outside of marriage. And I, I knew that the child deserved to be raised by both his parents. And so we, uh, my two kids and I moved in with my husband and uh, we eventually got married in the church. I had the first marriage in old, praise God. And um, it's been a real journey with a blended family and also um, him not, not really being interested in the faith. Now he did agree that the children would be raised Catholic, and I have done that, uh, all five kids. (laughs) So, um, and he, from time to time, says, oh, yeah, we should all worship the same together, and he'll say the meal prayer with us, but there's just something holding him back. And I used to be very resentful um, about him not even coming to Mass with me. I mean, it's not a big deal. It's an hour out of your week, you know, but I also remember um, my parents, who are both were both converts and our mother instilled in us the importance of of the journey and so i've come to respect his journey and i understand that i'm to walk with him and that i need to work on my own relationship with um with god and be a, a witness and then also um leave it up to god um, you know, let let God do the converting. I can't convert. Only the Holy Spirit can convert a soul. And I just say, well, God, if it's your plan, that'd be great. But if I keep, you know, it really is keeping your eyes on, on Christ, keeping your eyes focused on on God and trusting God to do his will and then conforming ourselves to that. No, thank you for sharing that, Mary. I think that's so so very important uh, to hear from your perspective from the inside. You know, it also reminds me of uh, the French couple, uh, Felix and Elizabeth Lesur, that some of our listeners uh, might be familiar with. Um, Elizabeth Lesur's uh, cause for canonization is going forward. Uh, she found herself in a similar situation where her husband was not uh, faithful. She, she was the one that, that had the faith. Uh, but then she got very, very sick, and throughout her illness, uh, she was praying, you know, that that her husband would receive the graces uh, he needed, and uh, you know, and he was not. He was not reacting well to her sickness and and all of this, and and she died, and he was just the same as he ever was. He was just disgusted, and what did this God do for her, and you know, all of that. But as he's cleaning her stuff out, he finds her diary. And in her diary, he finds that she's offered all of that suffering for him as an act of love for him. And he's touched by grace and he converts. 
and not only that, he goes on to become a priest. Uh, so he really uh, caught on fire. But here's the thing. She didn't live to see it. You know, she could have, you know, with her last few gasps, called, Lord, I offered all these years of suffering, and he's still a jerk. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, was all of this in vain? No, she trusted. Let the Lord deal with him in the Lord's timeline, in the Lord's way. I do my part. I'm responsible for the effort, not the outcome. I know what the Lord is asking me to do. That's what I, I set myself to, and I don't try to, 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 to make this happen. I don't try to impose my will on God or my spouse in that. Uh, but there has to be that respect for the other person, for their, for their conscience, and, and for the way that God is so patient with me. You know, I'm, I'm still in the process of converting my heart uh, more and more to Christ, so I, I've got to allow Christ to be patient with the people around me, too. But thank you, Mary, for sharing that. Yeah, so glad you called in today, Mary. And uh, again, our studio line, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got KB, who is listening in Hoka, Minnesota. Hi, KB. Welcome to the program. Good morning, guys. My wife and I have, or are both Catholics. My wife is a structured Catholic. I'm not as structured. She teaches in a parochial school, second grade. So she's got two sacraments to uh, teach young kids, and her structure, she is basically always out of the prayer book. She's praying the rosary every morning, and so one of the things that um, I have found really helps in our relationship is the trust, respect, and communication. I trust her that if I'm having problems with my faith or what's going on in my life, I'm able to tell her, and it stays between her and myself. Um, respect is for her to tell me her triumphs and her failures and not to be judgmental and just listen to her, not finish her sentences and, uh, get that communication so that we can figure out exactly what's going on in our individual lives so that in our lives together, we can come up with a plan that's going to work. And I, it's what I like to refer to as a Mayberry moment. We'll actually sit on the porch swing and uh, grab our beverages and we'll watch traffic go by in the afternoon and we're talking about our triumphs and our failures each and every day and constantly asking God for the miracles in my line of work and she's asking for blessings and miracles in her line of work. The communication, the respect for each other and listening and speaking to each other and the trust that it won't be betrayed by, you know, letting it go outside of our circle of three, you know, my wife, myself, and, and God. Thanks for sharing that. No, that's, that's a wonderful way that, that you and your wife have approached that. I sometimes uh, tell couples, even if you don't feel comfortable praying with one another, uh, you know, which again, even amongst Catholics, this is this is possible that you know when one is structured, one's not, as you were describing. But but even if you don't feel comfortable praying with one another, pray to get pray at the same time. You know, so so let's both take some quiet time, and and you be praying and I'm praying in my way next to you, uh, and at least there's a unity that way as well. Or I tell my couples. Uh, that they should all have a date night every week, 
you know, and whether that's sitting out on the porch swing. Uh, and I hope, uh, unless your part of Minnesota is much, much, much warmer than my part of Minnesota, I hope that you have a good heater on your porch <laughs> if you're going to be sitting out there these days. But, uh, you know, to to take your date night and maybe stop by the local church or, or especially if you have an adoration chapel and just spend 15 minutes, the two of you, quiet before the Lord in the tabernacle uh, and then go off to the movie or dinner or whatever for a walk. You know, just those moments, even if we're not vocally praying together because of whatever reason, we're both placing ourselves before the Lord. Uh, and we're together in placing ourselves before the Lord at that unspoken level, uh, uh, which is actually a deeper level. So thank you for sharing. Again, our spiritual director on the program today, Father Joseph Johnson, and we're taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. And maybe you are in a marriage where you and your spouse aren't on the same page spiritually, and you want to know how you can approach the subject, how you can uh, get more unity in your marriage, how you can find that common ground when it seems like there's that division, that tension there in your marriage. Again, 888-914-9149. I also want to tell you about a special uh, program that we have. Well, not a program, but uh, it's an opportunity for you to really keep your focus on Advent during the Advent season, not get too caught up in all of the Christmas celebration before we get to Christmas. And that's Father Rocky, our executive director here at Relevant Radio, has created these short daily audio reflections called Advent Inspirations. And they're really designed to help you every single day of Advent to be able to just reflect on a part of what makes Advent, Advent. And it gives you a great they're emailed to you every morning. It's a great way to start the day with that reflection, and they're absolutely free. They'll be emailed to you, like I say, every morning, and all you have to do is sign up on our website, relevantradio.com, or through the Relevant Radio app. You'll see the banner there to sign up for Advent Inspirations, or you can just go directly to relevantradio.com slash Advent and sign up. And of course, Advent begins the Sunday right after Thanksgiving, November 28th. So I do hope you sign up. And again, we'll be back with more here on The Inner Life with Father Joseph Johnson and your phone calls next on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and want to say a big thank you to Nick Sentevich and Jim Shaper as they help produce the program and make sure everything runs smoothly behind the scenes here. And, of course, uh, we're talking with our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Johnson, talking about how we can make our marriages stronger, especially when we might find ourselves in different places in, in our spiritual journey. And we're taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. And, uh, Father, you know, one of the things you were talking about, uh, prayer, you know, first of all and foremost, that pray for your spouse if they're not on the same page with you spiritually— um, 
And we have to be respectful. You also mentioned that. We have to be respectful of where they are in their spiritual journey and know that it's God who's going to work, the Holy Spirit who's going to work in their life. The I think one of the biggest things that helped me come into the church was the fact that my wife, um, you know, she let me know very directly that this is what she believed, but she never made me feel obligated that uh, that there was any sort of judgment or guilt that was put on me by her. She just knew that I wasn't at the same place as her. And I, I think that might be a good thing to talk about for a minute, that approach. You know, it's so easy when when we think we know what's best for our spouse, what they should be doing, to come off as judgmental, to come off, you know, to have that that guilt that we kind of lay on them. But that really can be a deterrent for your spouse growing in their faith. It can have the opposite results of what you want as that desired outcome. And so when those moments maybe do arise... Any advice for how to approach a conversation with your spouse so that you don't turn them off to the faith, but you really do continue to encourage them to look with their heart and their mind at what the Catholic Church teaches? Sure. I mean, I think respect is, is so key, uh, that reverence for the other person, because, of course, it's it's what we owe to each other made in the image and likeness of God with our own autonomy and, and, and that freedom to make choices. But of course, within marriage, it's that love that you should have too. They should be pushing you to respect uh, one another on top of what we owe to just a stranger. But I'll give you a couple of uh, examples. You know, I had a, a a couple that the husband was Catholic and the wife was Protestant, and they were both very, very sincere in their 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 beliefs. And so it could have been knocked down, drag out. You know, that that we could never speak about God. Instead, they did for the entire marriage. They went to church twice every weekend. They went to, to the vigil mass at a Catholic church on Saturday evening. And then on Sunday morning, they went to the Protestant church for a service. And obviously, the, the, the non-Catholic didn't receive communion at mass Saturday night. And the Catholic didn't receive communion on the times when, when they would have communion services on those Sunday mornings at the Protestant church. But they were there, and they were respectful, and they found common ground to pray together. You know, we can at least say the Our Father together, right? Okay, good. So maybe the Protestant doesn't kneel during the Eucharistic prayer. Okay, but they're there and showing respect uh, for their spouse and their spouse's faith. And you go, wow, they went twice a week every week? Yep, you know? Uh, you want to do this right? It's going to take something out of it's you. It's going to take some effort. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You 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 know you have to 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 put some skin in the game. Not just say, oh, I I I sure I respect whatever whatever, and then we go our different ways. Nope. No. Nope, let's let's do it. I, and it's not. I'm going to pull you away from your faith to my faith. You know. It's it's no. We're going to support each other in in our faith. Yeah. You know. Um, I had uh, an aunt who uh, came from my, my grandmother was a daily mass goer and, and all of this. And so she, my aunt was raised in that kind of daily rosary, daily mass, all this. And my aunt fell in love and married a wonderful Jewish man, right? And, and as they were, back in the day, they would call it courting, you know, as they were dating, uh, part of their courtship was this talk about the, the fairly significant differences in their spiritual life. And my uncle 
uh, spoiler alert, he became my uncle. Uh, you know, he said, I absolutely respect you. And I know that your faith is what has made you such a wonderful person. And my aunt said, great, I'm glad. Uh, she said, but I can't, you know, and then I talk about the kids. And I don't know if people know that the church's rules on this have changed. It used to be when I first was ordained that when we were doing the marriage prep for a couple that was Catholic and non-Catholic, the non-Catholic spouse would have to sign a promise that the children would be raised Catholic. That now is not the case. It's now the Catholic person signs a statement saying, I will try my best to raise the children Catholic. And the priest signs a statement saying, I have made sure that the non-Catholic spouse is aware of the promise that the Catholic party has made. Right. right? So there's a there's there's a, a change there again, reflecting respect for 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 both parties there, uh, as well as this and obviously concern for the faith of the children. But anyway, my aunt said to my uncle, I I want the children not to think that dad's at home reading the paper like that other example I gave. And so my uncle said, I will come with you. I have no problem. I will come with you every single Sunday. And so my Jewish uncle went every single Sunday, every holy day to mass just out of respect for his wife and his wife's faith mm. and to set a good example for the children and to have family unity. Yeah. Uh, so again, did it cost him? Sure it cost him. He wasn't doing this for himself, but he saw it as a sacrifice he needed to make for the good of his family. What a beautiful uh, And example. I think that's where we have to, to live that respect. Father, let's go back to the phones. A lot of people waiting to talk to you. Oliver is listening in West Virginia. Hi, Oliver. You're on the air with Father Joseph Johnson. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. I, um, I'm dating a really wonderful woman. She uh, is a non-practicing Catholic. She grew up Catholic, and I'm a practicing Catholic. And I'd otherwise feel like this is a woman that I want to marry, but then I also have some tension about whether it would work out with... Um, right now, we're on different pages about faith, and She's rather critical of the Catholic Church, and and uh, I don't know. It, it causes some some stress and uncertainty about that relationship, and just wanted to see what your advice would be on that. Yes, Oliver. Thanks for calling, and and certainly that is, as I've said, it can be a very painful situation where you find yourselves at odds. I would I would have the conversation. Obviously, it sounds like you are a little bit. And and you brought up a good point that some people are non-practicing Catholics just because they they don't have the energy, they don't have the spark, but some have had a bad experience uh, and so have a critical whether it's some moral teaching usually of the church that they that they find you know is offensive to them, or whether they had you know a mean nun with a ruler that that taught them or. Uh, the priests, clergy scandal, whatever, you know, they're, they're those that come, not just that they're not practicing, but they have an edge, right? Uh, but that can be overcome as well. What I would suggest is maybe finding uh, a priest in your area that you feel that you can talk to and see then if, if he would be willing to talk to the two of you together as just a, a facilitator for a discussion about what could this look like, you know, because I think it's clear as, as dating moves towards a discernment of marriage, 
you know, that, that the spiritual question has to be posed. Don't just set it aside and hope it works itself out later. That would be a huge mistake, you know. Address it now. Even if there's not a resolution to every aspect of it, address it now in a respectful way, uh, you know, and, and bring up children and what are we going to do with the children that we're going to, you know, have these different views and, and all of that. But don't lose hope. And, and most of all, just pray the Holy Spirit, is this... Is this the person I'm meant to be to marry, Lord? Because that's the thing. Your plan might be for me to marry someone who's not a practicing Catholic. Uh, but let's make sure that that if I go into it, it's because it's your plan, not because it's my plan. Because if it's your plan, then you're going to be there to show me how to get through it, to provide the grace for me and for my spouse that good will come out of this. Uh, so that's that's where that attentiveness to to God's plan and not just this is what I want to do uh, becomes even even more fundamental. Thank you Ol- for sharing with us. Yeah, Oliver, I'm so glad you called in. Um, you know, one other thing that I might recommend too is one of the things that happened in our marriage. My wife, she just simply had borrowed some different books because I had grown up with a very kind of classic, traditional Protestant understanding of if there's anything we believe as Christians, it has to be found in the Bible. And she brought home one book, and I don't even know why I picked it up and started reading it. I'm sure it's just the Holy Spirit just said, ah, just just give a look at it. But that book addressed basically any and every uh, question I might have had about the Catholic Church from Scripture. And it really made me say, wait a minute, I need to look at this a little more closely. And, you know, there's books on almost any subject under the sun that somebody might have uh, an objection to the Catholic Church about or something that is one of their hang-ups, so I might recommend that. And Father, we are down to just uh, a minute or two left in the program. You know, any any books you might recommend? You mentioned uh, that, that intentional dating book at the beginning of the program, but for somebody who is married in that relationship, any recommendations on something they might pick up and read as uh, an encouragement for them in their marital relationship? You know, uh, Fulton Sheen has a wonderful book, Three to Get Married. Uh, again, it's it's helpful for engaged couples, but I think I think married couples could get a lot out of it as well. Uh, there there are a lot of resources uh, that are out there right now. That same author who did the intentional dating book uh, wrote a book called How to Love Your Wife, which is a great book uh, for for husbands uh, on both the kind of the emotional and psychological level as well as the spiritual level. Uh, and sometimes what you want to do is pick a more generic book and read it together. Even if you're on a different different page, what could we read together that might help us discover more common ground, might move us closer together sure. uh, rather than just focusing on the differences? Yeah, yeah. And foster conversation and, and communication. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's such a key thing there. Uh, Father, down to about our last 15 seconds, could I ask you to offer our listeners a blessing as we conclude the hour? May Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks so much, Father, for being our spiritual director. Apologies to those of you who called in, and we just didn't have time to get to your phone calls. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. And as always, the podcast is available at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next tomorrow on the program. We're going to be talking about how we can help those in need that we meet, talking about the corporal works of mercy with Father Chris Walsh. It'll be a wonderful conversation, and I hope you join us then on The Inner Life. Have a blessed day. Blessed afternoon.